Welcome everyone to a special episode of What's Happening in Education and COVID-19 as I interview the only person that I know who actually has contracted the virus. And so uh, Jared Lampshed is a middle school teacher in Adelaide, Australia. And uh, Jared uh, shares his personal journey with dealing with the virus and uh, he's kind of at the tail end of things so you can hear all about that. And we spend a little more time perhaps than other interviews just because that was fascinating to me and I just wanted to learn more about it so hope that uh, you find that useful as well and then we dive into the education side of things and uh, you'll see where Australia is at. Again some unique um, differences in the sense that their school year is not coming to an end but it's rather kind of at the beginning and so uh, they have a lot to think about, and they're at a different stage of things. And uh, again, I hope you find this interview uh, useful and um, uh, another person that you can connect with uh, in your journey. So here's our interview with Jared. Welcome to uh, another episode of What's Happening, Education and COVID-19. And today I am joined by uh, a special guest for a couple different reasons. One, because... Uh, um, Jared is an educator in Australia, and it's, I want to kind of know a little bit more about what's happening in their country in terms of how they're handling it. But uh, also, in, in, uh, Jared is the only person that I know actually has been tested positive for COVID-19, and he's in the midst of this, hopefully towards the tail end of it. But uh, Jared, do you want to introduce yourself first of all, and then we'll just get started? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Jared Lamshed. I'm a senior leader at a local primary school here in Adelaide. Um, <clears throat> I uh, guess a bit of the backstory that's interesting is that I went away um, oh, nearly five weeks ago now, I guess, to Europe. Uh, came back uh, two and a bit weeks ago and um, tested positive for good old COVID-19. So um, I've then been in isolation ever since. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting time. So when you um, do, you have like any sense of here's probably where I got it from, or is it just like you know could have been a million different things, or could have been a million different things. When I left, um, the world was still relatively normal. This was something that was happening in China, and all of our government travel warnings were around just you know, just take the usual care, don't go to China and maybe rethink Italy if that's on your list, um, which it wasn't. So it just went about normal business. Uh, when I had the test, I asked the doctor about likely dates and could have been anywhere from the 6th of March, really. So probably uh, probably in London somewhere, I think. So you, you yeah. got back to uh, Adelaide on what date? Uh, I got back <clears throat> on the, oh, that's a good question, the 16th or 17th, it was a Thursday night uh, of March, and then uh, woke up the Friday morning feeling uh, just a little tickle in my throat, a little cough and uh, like the start of a bit of tightness, start of a sore throat, um, thinking not really a big surprise, I've been on planes and recycled air and things like that and uh, a little bit susceptible to sore throats anyway um, and uh, yeah and after a couple of days it was getting a bit worse and I thought oh, given the state of the world I'll go and line up for the test and did that um, uh, there's a, a clinic at the local hospital here that were testing just for people that have returned from overseas um, still thinking it was just a bit of 
bit of man flu or something like that. And uh, um, but yeah, they got the results uh, the next day. And like for you, sort of, what was the the peak of the you know how, of the in terms of how the impact on you? Like how how sick were you? I guess <clears throat> is the best way to put it. Yeah, um, it's it really is interesting. I guess that's why I've been sharing through my social media a little bit um a, a little bit about what it's been like for me because it's not really like the drastic cases you see in the news for me and for most people i think um it's felt a lot like uh, a lot like a flu and a cold combined um sore throat which did get quite sore a cough um which developed <coughs> you can still hear it a little bit in my voice um that developed into my chest uh, but then quickly has become a tickle in my throat again uh, and just feeling fairly flat. I had lots of uh, like a bit of achiness like the flu, um, had the, like the sweats and chills. It's very attractive to talk about, I know, um, um, but that, that passed fairly quickly. No fevers or high temperatures for me at all. Um, mm. Been checking every day uh, and... Yeah, that, that's that's really about it. Just a general feeling of being unwell and it's sort of a heaviness to it. So it sort of feels like you're being pushed down on and sideways and from mm. the front and back. It's it's a bit of an unusual feeling. Well, and this is this is I think where we're all curious about because the range of, <clears throat> of, of how people, you know, everything from being completely asymptomatic to of course people dying and then it seems like everything <coughs> in between. So I think we're all just sort of even, even the the medical community is, is trying to figure out exactly what does this do? So this, yeah. so that's, you know, you know, I guess everybody's going to have their own story. And so I was just curious to know now you're in about what day, what did you sort of figure you were day 14 uh, or 15 so or something is, like that? Yeah, this is about day 16 now for me um, since the first symptoms uh, about day 13 or 14 since diagnosis. Yep. Okay. And so, and I know you said something about you got to be tested you have to have three negative tests before you're sort of considered uh, yeah, recovered? Yeah, two. So I had one okay. test at day 10 after diagnosis, so last Wednesday, and uh, that came back positive still. So I wasn't overly surprised at because I still had quite a sore throat and quite a bad cough at that stage. Um, at the time, they told me that then I'd be tested every second day until I'm clear twice. Uh, but that's changed a bit. I guess they're being a bit more cautious with the amount of tests available, which makes sense. Um, and so they're waiting until I've had no symptoms for three days. Today my, is the first day with no sore throat. So I'm just waiting for this last little bit of cough to go away. Um, so I would think by the time I have two good tests clear and the symptoms uh, finally disappear, I'll be, I'll be stuck in here for a, another week at least, I think. So they're, they're, are they sliding <clears throat> the food under the door? Do they actually open it? Or how do you yeah, actually? Yeah, pretty much. Actually... I've got, you can maybe see behind me here, I, you can see the, the fridges come out of the garage okay. and the, uh, yeah. the rustled up a spare microwave and an electric fry pan. So I've got, <clears throat> I've got some basics in here to do some of my own stuff. But a lot of the time I'm having some meals kindly delivered from through the wall to the front door. So there's, uh, it's left on the doorstep. and. Um, you know, everyone takes their five meters back and we're just being really extra cautious. And yeah. uh, I guess we had the warning that, that I would have to isolate. I knew I was going to have to isolate when I came back. So <clears throat> we went with a bit of an overabundance, which really wasn't an overabundance of caution in the end. Yeah. Um, that, you know, we did, uh, my mum dropped my 
car at the airport with my son so that I, so that nobody had to drive me home and uh, so I could drive myself home um, and all, all of the supplies and things were here. I waved to the family across the yard, no physical contact. Um, yes, I haven't seen anybody for about nearly five weeks really since I left home. It's all wow. a bit strange. Yeah. We've had a couple of conversations in the across between the front and the backyard through the fence with many meters apart and uh, thank goodness for technology yeah well it's going to be a again a welcome day when you can open up the door and hug your family again and connect back with them so yeah and it's a bit of a uh, even that is the transition to that is going to be interesting because all of this area of the house, we feel like we just about need to set on right. fire and rebuild. <laughs> it. So we're just got to work out how we how we clean and make sure that even though I'm no longer infected, that I'm not sitting on the couch and carting, right. you know, still live germs through to the other part of the house. Or you know, trying to work out what that looks like too. So once I get my first negative test back, we'll look into that a little more deeply and work out how to. Yeah, how to transition out of this space at some point. Well, uh, again, uh, you know, feel for you, your situation, but also grateful the fact that you're uh, not experiencing uh, the, the, the depth of this virus that yeah, many else too. are. Um, so tell me, before we just, I want to talk about the education side of it, but also just curious around, uh, you know, Adelaide, South Australia, Australia in general, in terms of uh, life, again, not that you secondhand a little bit from you obviously because mm. you're isolated but like just in sort of uh the country itself and the area in terms of how they're dealing with it and what life is like for people there yeah i think things are, are slowly shutting down i think um really essential services is always a bit of an interesting um interesting category because there seems to be a bit of differing opinion over over what's essential and what's not but most things that have closed down um for a bit uh from what i'm hearing you know the local shopping center is a bit of a ghost town apart from the supermarkets um there's still you know a shortage on toilet paper and cleaning products uh like everywhere now um uh, schools are still open here but but not attendance is right down so um I uh, used, um, I had a Google meeting with students in my classroom that I teach in on a Friday uh, last week and there were only four students there out of 30 that are enrolled. So uh, most, are, most are at home um, accessing their learning from home at the moment. So and, Okay, so that's interesting. Well, a couple of things. First of all, <laughs> again, I, 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 unlike here in North America where school is, you know, on the tail end of the year, you're kind of right in the middle or almost at the start. Right. You start when yeah. it started in January, right? Yeah. yeah, this is just the end of our first term. So, four. Yeah. so you've got a little ways to go. So, uh, so that's interesting that they haven't like here pretty well across the board in North America, everybody is, is shut home. And so now the, the thought is what is this remote uh, learning uh, look like so you're saying yeah. that this is not has not been mandated is this something you expect will happen soon or not necessarily uh, not necessarily the the medical advice that the government are giving out at the moment is that schools uh, can and should remain open um, clearly not everybody agrees with that but but our directive is that schools are open however <clears throat> the excuse me the latest from the department here is that they've put into place uh, this would normally this coming week would normally be our last week of 
school for the term before two weeks school holidays. So they've put in, we've got a public holiday Friday for Easter, but they've put in the first four days as student free days. So all students in South Australia at least are starting their holidays early. Um, and that gives the rest of the week for, for teachers to look at, uh, at planning around expecting that still a good slab of, of students will be learning from home, we think, next term. So, so for, your, for your specific <coughs> class, what, what are you looking at in terms of that, uh, that number? Is it, like you said, yeah, four well, out of 30 or something that are there? Four, yeah, there have been four in the last week. Uh, um, and I would assume that that's going to stay the same. I think that people have got a pretty good headset for staying at home when they can. Um, I think the discussion is this week, which unfortunately I'll be having remotely as well because I can't leave the house. Um, other teachers will be on site, uh, but um, we'll be looking at yeah what that looks like and um, you know the message that's coming from the department and from from all of us really is that we this isn't the same as parents deciding to uh, give up work and homeschool their kids. This is this is everybody, us included, parents included in crisis mode, you know, that there's that expectation that we want families to do the best they can, um, provide some structure around their kids learning with us, but also understand that they're also trying to manage their new life of working from home or, or not working from home, but their kids are home or, or whatever that looks like for them too. So uh, it's certainly gonna be an interesting time ahead. But is this, so again, I just want to be clear, is this like double duty that I have these four or handful of kids that are in the building that I'm obligated to teach for the day and then also provide learning opportunities and experience for those 25 yep. who have chosen to stay home? So we, we are accepting anybody that comes to school, but um, the information that we've given out as a school has been that um, even that students that come to school will still be doing online uh, we'll be doing the online learning component as well. So it's, and, and that makes sense to me. And, and, and again, uh, I just talked to a, um, a superintendent here in British Columbia, Canada, and I didn't realize that they are obligated to keep the school open for emergency service workers. So nurses and doctors and people yeah. involved in that, you know, and I think it's ages five to 12 or something like that. So if you're in if you're a high school, yep. uh, you, you don't come, but if you're, you know, eight year old kid, sure. your mom's off to, to the hospital, they get to dress. So that's, and I, I'm assuming that these handful of kids are the kids that are just maybe the most vulnerable or in very unique situations where this is I all think they so. have. And like I said, I think that everyone's in a bit of crisis mode at the moment. Uh, and that'll, we'll see what that looks like as it settles in and becomes the new normal because, you know, everybody's in a different situation. I know we're, choosing that my daughter is not going uh, to school at the moment. She's working from home. So I think one dose of this in the household is plenty. Um, and, uh, and the school's set up for that and, and that's, that's fine. So, um, but I also know that as well as that, I, have, I still have to go to work. Once I've got the all clear, schools are still open. I'm still expected to be on site at school not working from home so we have to just juggle what that looks like as a family and and that that is going to be the case for everybody you know um, and and you meant you talked a little bit of my class it's 30, the, yeah the 30 students in my class that's 30 families that are all having this same juggle that i'm having now uh, trying to work out what this looks like for them over the next however long this lasts 
And so this <clears throat> expectation, again, I, I'm really sort of, uh, you know, thinking about the, the, the length of this. And, and again, the, some of the adv advantages that we have here is that, you know, especially in the U.S., uh, you know, they've canceled yeah. their testing. So they've taken a lot of pressure off and, you know, have not yep. put much pressure at all on educators in terms of the expectations around what curriculum and things like that. I just feel like your situation might be different, but, but maybe not. What are you hearing from departments around? This is what we anticipate. I guess there's still plans in motion, but what are you sensing is, is what your expectations will be as a teacher in terms of new learning, in terms of, you know, continuing this on? Yeah. And again, I've been a bit detached, so I haven't really got um, the official word uh, so much to talk about, but I would think that we'd be looking at, again, just seeing, <laughs> seeing where the balance lies between understanding that, we want some structure, we want to maintain some learning, but we also understand that this is this is the new world we live in and we just have to see what it looks like a bit. Uh, our NAPLAN testing has been cancelled for the year. That's our, our standardised national yeah. benchmark testing. Um, so that's not happening. There are lots of big events that have been that have been cancelled. Uh, I take the school choir, so our, the public schools music festival, which happens every year, has just officially in September has been cancelled. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, there's, it's sort of a ever changing day by day thing for us at the moment, I think. So what of, of all of the, and again, I understand, you know, during your time, you haven't been as connected as probably you know, might normally be, but <clears throat> just from, you know, the interactions and what you've read and maybe what you've experienced, uh, what messaging, uh, or, or strategies or anything that you've seen or you've experienced that really has helped and you think is really po positive and helpful as far as uh, encouraging teachers to persevere through this time? Um, I think, you know, there's been lots of, of praise towards teachers who are, who are doing a good job. Like, like teachers are always trying their best. I think people that are in the teaching profession genuinely want good things for kids. And I don't think that that's any different now. I think, that on top of that they're dealing with their own anxieties and their own family situations and um, worrying about their own health issues as well um, making sure their families are all sorted but still trying to do a really good job for kids i think that uh, i know at our school we've done a lot of work around uh, digital technologies and where that fits in in learning anyway but it's still a big leap to, uh, for a lot of people to be jumping into a fully online world uh, as far as their teaching goes, um, especially being that, that that's my role at the school in my leadership role four days a week is supporting that digital learning. And this would be the time that I'm stuck at home and not on deck to support that. So I'm trying to support that as much as I can through other communications and, uh, and from home. Uh, and that'll certainly pick up this week coming while we've got the student free days and everyone has a chance to take a breath and, and think, okay, so what can we achieve? How are we going to do this? I think there's a real, I think one of the positives that comes out of this is that messaging around that we've got to stop working individually and start working with our teams of teachers. I think that's going to be something that, that people are pushed into um, at the moment because there's no point every year five class reinventing a year five program. We may as well you know, we need to get together and somebody and people take on lead roles uh, in that. And, and there's a lot more collaboration in uh, as far as coming up with good creative learning experiences for kids. Um, lots of discussions around 
I think what is important, you know, when things do <clears throat> start falling off the list, we put out a full list of full days of teaching and, you know, what are the important things? What are the things that can be let go if families don't have time? What are the things that are must-dos? Um, you know, and then how we deal with all of that when we're eventually back at school too. You know, how do we deal with the various gaps, the various uh, levels of, of, of engagement that we've had over the next months or however long this lasts? And, and you know, how do we pick that back up when we get back? Well, and, you know, it made me think too, like you talked about teamwork and things, and this is another sort of uh, dynamic is the sense if you're, if you're a family and you've got two or three children at a school, you are now more aware than ever of the differences in levels of engagement in instructional uh, ways that this is being approached. And so uh, the need for us as a community to, to come together as a, whether it's, you know, as, as a school or larger entities to be yep. consistent uh, and make sure, again, everybody's going to do it a little differently. I don't think anybody's suggesting that it, this is cookie cutter, but uh, yeah. pretty, pretty uh, uh, evident to a parent that finds out, like, and I've heard this before where, you know, even around communication, like one teacher has been very you know, in touch with the kids, letting them know what's going on and being really responsive. And the other teacher hasn't got a hold of them. And again, right early on in this yep. game, the expectations have to be pretty low because individuals are just dealing with their own challenges but yeah as this moves on that's going to those gaps are going to become very 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 yeah i think sure. so too and i wonder myself just um how long before a bit of complacency sits in and already in south australia i know our testing and uh, our success has been a lot higher here than in a lot of parts of the world and you can see that curve starting to flatten off and how long before people relax a bit and become a bit more complacent with the whole thing and we start seeing more kids coming back to school and what that looks like and when's that tipping point of when we stop the online and start the you know back to whatever normal looks like and I think it's going to be one of those things where whatever plan we put in motion has to be um, pretty flexible because it's going to change. So when you think regular. about, uh, when you think about, uh, and again, two months from now, four or five months from now, uh, after we've experienced this, do you have sort of any sense of um, silver lining or something that says, gee, you know, maybe this will help us be better at this moving forward. Is there any thoughts around that? Again, you know, with your back, especially with your thinking through tech, the technology lens of it too. Absolutely, I think. I think, um, like I said before, around that, I hope that it will become a little bit more habit that we work better in our teams of teachers and that we are communicating and you know, um, more minds is on one thing is a good thing. Um, uh, so I hope that that becomes a bit of a habit and continues to. Uh, to happen that happens well anyway but I think it might just solidify that 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 way of thinking um, yeah obviously from a technology point of view uh, people are going are now going to be forced into this space of you know what are the digital spaces that have been helpful here and and what what place do they have in our in our future um, a lot of our classes already are using Google classrooms we have a we're part of a trial with the education department using Google um, through a, a department domain um, at the moment, which has not been a thing that 
has happened before because of the sort of offshore data storage and fears around that. So um, as far as our school goes, we, we're quite well set up to just just lean into those those tools anyway. Um, but it will certainly help, again, to solidify their place for a lot of teachers that have put it on the back burner list. It can't be on the back burner anymore. So right. uh, I think some good will come from that. Um, the price is pretty heavy with a pandemic to get to that point. But, you know, if we're looking for silver linings in there somewhere, then I guess some of those those uh, things that have been on the back burner will come forward just and, and find an authentic place for them rather than, I want to try this tool because I saw it on Pinterest or I saw it on Twitter or whatever that they'll find the things that have real purpose and real benefit and sort of get rid of some of the clutter. Absolutely. So I also know, uh, when's the last time you had a chance to really, uh, test out your pipes, do a little singing? (laughs) Uh, not for a while. It's a bit rusty at the moment. The throat's, uh, uh, tightened it up. I've sort of been doing a little bit of music just for my own mental health, so I don't go too stir crazy uh, around here. But yeah, yeah, it's just a just a little hobby. Well, it's great. I, I mean, I, I enjoy. I, I think it's a part of me, and I, I look back to uh, some projects I've done in the past that have just sort of been making yourselves vulnerable. And and you know, you've got a great voice, so you don't have to. Obviously, the, this is not just about. <laughs> you know, well, let me try something. Cause I've, I've shared my playing guitar and a few other things, which was not very, yep. nothing to your level, but, but uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that you've shared that. And I know you're probably looking forward to being able to uh, exercise them think, in a way that you haven't before yeah. for a while. I think for me too, uh, and you were part of the influence behind that, I guess. I remember, um, you know, really looking uh, in a lot of depth at your, your thoughts and ideas around, around, around joy and the, the lack of, of joy in teaching and in schools and at the moment that's a real that's a real problem because a lot of the things that bring joy like the music to the choir festival that i talked about and uh, and other programs like school sports and those sorts of things that really sparks joy for kids and some of those experiences that we can't recreate when kids yeah. aren't physically in the classroom you know um they're going to be gone so we've got to, we've got to look for ways that and, and model that, I guess, for ourselves, that, that we've got to find those little bits of joy and remind people that they're there. The singing came uh, from having some problems with my voice and my speech pathologist um, was heavily involved in singing and, and suggested that that was a good way to exercise the way I use my voice properly. Uh, so I picked it back up from there. Um, uh, yeah, so that sort of has led to that. And I've just tried to keep that up from, like I said, my own sanity something different that's not not school related and not um, you know not something I have to do but something I enjoy doing and just for a bit of fun well and, and it also to me it's it's those moments it's those things that connect us right I mean yeah we can all talk, talk about education and teaching but even <clears throat> you know not just for you know you and I who live you know thousands of miles apart but yeah. also for your students and your families who at this time that connection is going to be uh, even more. So that's the other thing that I'm, that I'm hoping comes out of this is that the, the relationships you, but you talked about the relationships maybe with the staff, but I'm even thinking within a community says that, Hey, we're in this together and, and getting to know people, their interests, their, their talents and their skills that maybe people weren't paying attention to more yeah. can help, you know, bring joy and bring us together as a community. So 
Um, I think so. And we have to find those ways. And I hope that, you know, during this, I've seen a lot of those, um, the social distancing uh, choir rehearsals and things like that, that uh, people have been sharing, which is fantastic. People are yeah. creative and on the ball and uh, um, those things take a lot of time and effort, but they, they, they spark that joy. I sound like, what's her name? The cleaning, cleaning up lady. Mm-hmm. Don't I? Um, Marie Kondo, sparking joy. I think <laughs> that's, that's right. where that came from. Um, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, finding, finding that joy in your, in your day still and finding ways to create that and being creative around that and not, not forgetting that in the, in the panic, I guess that is naturally coming with the situation that we're in. Well, and just again, uh, want to thank you for, for sharing and thank you. And, you know, you, uh, again, you're the only person I know that has it. So that's why I was kind of curious just to find out your story. And I do appreciate the fact that you have uh, continued to be to share your joy and share your story uh, so that people can connect and relate to it and I know it's going to be uh, helpful for you and your family and your school moving forward so thanks for sharing no worries I just think that um, you know this is different for everybody my story is not everybody's story but from what my doctors are saying you know that most people that haven't got an underlying health issue or aren't over 70 are going to have a similar story to this that it that it feels pretty yuck but it's not it's not going to not going to do me in you know that you'll be out of action for a while and you'll feel pretty miserable but um you know it this too will pass sort of thing so um and i just hope that that sort of quells the fear a little bit for some people um that it's not a not a death sentence for everybody that gets it i understand that it is for some people but um you know but just to try and keep a bit of a balance around it and and just accept well this is the world we're in unfortunately at the moment um and we just gotta do what they're asking us to do we've got to stay home when we can stay home and and but if worse comes and you or someone that you know does get this thing um then you, you know one one step forward don't uh don't jump straight to the to the end yeah yeah, that de- dealing with fear and, and, and again, as, as educators and, and uh, <coughs> leaders in community, I guess we have to continue to share that, uh, yeah. that idea, right? Like be smart, but also fear yeah. is not going to help us. I know. And it's easy for me to say because I've been in it now and I had a bit of time. I think I just assumed that I was going to be susceptible to this because I was going to be between when the it really got crazy. And when I was going to get home, I was in five airports and on four different planes. And uh, if I didn't already pick it up on the London underground, then uh, there was a fair chance that I would pick it up somewhere along the way anyway. And as it is, I had it before I came home. Um, But yeah, it it is what it is. All right. Well, thanks, Jared. Uh, Have a lovely rest of your day. And uh, again, wish you well. Hope you you get better soon and and look forward to your singing and back in the classroom and (laughs) and supporting everybody. Just looking forward to some fresh air and a haircut at this stage. It'll be uh, (laughs) a good thing. Oh, well, looking (laughs) looking good. To resort to the do it yourself. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again. All right.